Divorced after 28 years of marriage, Dawn Damon lost everything. Her job, her friends, her identity, and her social status. It was painful. She felt helpless, but not hopeless. Dawn has always been a hope believer. Dawn is now a brave heart mentor for those who have experienced loss. And you do not want to miss this interview. Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. ...has been an influencer, pastor, global communicator, podcaster, coach, and best-selling author for over 20 years. Living with Grit Glitter. Oh, I can't wait to hear about that. That sounds like an awesome book. Dawn is the founder and CEO of The Bravehearted Woman, a transformational coaching and personal growth development enterprise designed to awaken and cultivate the vision of women dreamers, calling them up to braven up and live their best lives. Wow. Welcome, Dawn. Thank you so much. What a joy to be here. And just listening to some of those words that you used in the opening inspire me too. I'm motivated. (laughs) This is going to be a great time. All right. Well, let's start with your childhood. I know that you you Mm. came from um, an abusive situation and share whatever you would like about that. Sure. Well, my story is very common but it's unique to me, of course. And that is one of childhood sexual molestation. And what I think is different for me is that my perpetrator, the person that would do the harm to me, was actually my hero during the day, but you know, the perpetrator during night, and that was my dad. And I hate even saying that because it's such a convoluted experience that in one hand you love this person, you need this person in your life, you look up to them. And on the other hand, this is the same person that is confusing you, feeling shame, misunderstanding, not knowing, feeling uh, bewildered, questioning, you know, where's my mom? Is this what's supposed to, all those thoughts that are happening for a little girl. So for me, my childhood was, there was, definite moments of happiness and joy. But the older I got and the abuse continued on throughout adolescence, 
the more I began to feel very isolated and alone. I had a secret and I couldn't tell anyone. It was, that oh, was painful. No. Mm -hmm. So, you know, people will often say, you know, well, why didn't you tell someone? And of course that question is well-meaning, but it just heaps more guilt and shame upon mm -hmm. you because you don't talk, you don't tell, you don't share those secrets. You don't want to get that person that you love in trouble. Right. At the same time, you feel embarrassed and dirty. You don't want to tell someone what's happening to you. That is the most excruciatingly painful and embarrassing and shameful moments of your life. So you just think if I bury it and I ignore it, it's going to go away, right? Isn't that how uh -huh, our problems uh -huh, go away? Uh -huh. <laughs> Let's just run from them. So that's what I did. What happened as a teenager then and as you, because you did get married at one point, correct? I did. Mm -hmm. I was a teenage bride. And what happened there for my life was that I finally got out of the house and I went off to college. And the college that I went to, the university that I went to, was very small at that time. And they were also a religious institution. And because I didn't measure up once again, and because they had too many students that year, I found out later that that was the real reason. They had to expel 15 students huh. in one day, and I was one of them. And so rather than moving back home and going back into what felt like a very toxic and painful and abusive, and it was, didn't just feel like it, it was, environment, I got married instead. I just got married. And so at, at, I met my husband at 18, at 19, we married, I had a baby right away. I actually ended up pregnant before I got married. And so we had really no time together. And, but I, that was my marriage for 28 years. Hmm. And that marriage, it was just a matter of stick to it. You made your bed. Now you're going to lie in it. You're not a quitter. But I also recognized that I had been groomed to accept abusive behavior. Uh -huh, I had already been set up, you know, just to take it, lay there, take it, whatever life brings you, just buck up girl, you know, as they say, suck it up buttercup and make your way. And that's how I lived for many years. And then what happened? Oh boy, well, for me, what happened is I had a faith experience, which I can talk about later, but because of that, I really did tap into a peaceful space. I learned to be very content and happy. I had beautiful children. I did love my husband, but I will acknowledge that it was a very toxic relationship uh. in that I, and I don't blame him initially, I blame him secondarily. <laughs> But, you know, he was a young guy, I was young, and neither one of us really understood what the aftermath of childhood abuse would bring. He didn't understand that he couldn't touch me in the middle of the night. I didn't understand that I was being triggered and that I would wake up thinking, I don't know where I am right now. All I know is abuse is happening. And I finally, yeah. you know what? I finally found my no. The problem was I found it about 10 years too late and I was married. And so I was just like, no, no, you can't touch me. No, you can't do that to me because it was just so horrendous. I had so much rage. And that's when I began to understand I need some healing. 
but it did some damage to to that husband of mine too and he had his own hang-ups and hurts and habits but when his problems and my problems collided it made for a very tumultuous uh, relationship how we made it to 28 years was just god's grace <laughs> i tell you that but um so there was a lot of infidelity on his part and wounding of me and re-victimizing of me which as i said i just took it just swallow it take it and keep on going it was painful i would cry it was hurtful but also remember i got kicked out of school so i developed a mindset that said you know i'm not worthy of an education now i wouldn't have told you that's what i was thinking it was all unconscious but I would say, this is what I do. I don't have any skills. I can, maybe I could clean a house or maybe I could, but Carol, the reality was, is that beneath all of that layers of pain and abuse and hurt was very, if I can say this, just a very creative, artistic, talented girl. And I finally mm -hmm. tapped into that. But until then, I couldn't get divorced. I couldn't leave. I had three children and I had no skills. So I felt trapped. And so again, like I said, I found that peaceful place where I could just live to be content. Don't have dreams, that's too painful. But just just take it a day at a time and be thankful for healthy children and for food on your table. And that's kind of where I lived for many years. I really like what you said when you said you found your no. And mm -hmm. that probably yeah. was a pivot point for you. Well, I'm sure mm -hmm. it was. Yeah. Now, going forward, what happened then when you did divorce? And and was it a surprise or was it a mutual agreement? And what happened? Yes, it was a surprise and it was very brutal. I should have seen it coming, but we had such a strong commitment that we would never divorce, that our faith would say we, we will stay together through thick and thin. We will grow. We will learn we will evolve, but we won't use the D word. And we never did. But I was watching as this husband of mine was devolving. He was becoming less. He was, he was having financial disaster after financial disaster. His guilt from infidelity was eating him alive. He didn't like who he had become while I was growing and maturing and finding healing because I knew I was a hot mess but he wouldn't admit that his pride kept him from acknowledging that he needed help. And so he wanted to be this businessman, but the reality was he didn't have those skills. He was an amazing craftsman, an amazing worker, the guy that should do the work, but not the guy that should run the business. And because he didn't want to be in his lane, he lost, well, hundreds of thousands of dollars. So at one point he left to go get some work and that was, he was going to take a few months and go down to New Orleans where they were rebuilding the hurricane after the hurricane Katrina. And there was so much work there and he was just going to work morning, noon and night. He was going to earn that high wage. He was going to get himself out of debt and then he was going to come back while he was down there. He was, you know, calling and we were talking and we were even thinking about, you know, me moving down there for a season of time. And all of a sudden the phone calls got less and less and less until eventually they actually stopped altogether. And I was so curious and yeah. so scared and like, what is going on? And so I said, you got to come home. This isn't working. You got to come home. Well, he never did come home. And so I decided to take a, a one-way flight there and surprise him so that we could drive home together. And 
everybody listening knows the end of that story. No kidding. That's yeah. The surprise was on me. He was living with someone and he told me it was over and he shut the door on me and I just was flabbergasted. And I, I didn't see him again for two years. I came back home. I got divorced. I didn't even want to divorce at first. I just made filed legal separation. But in the state of Michigan, where I'm from, if you have about a year to change that, and if you don't, then it you lose you lose your money and you're still not divorced. So I had to convert it to a divorce. Say all that to say, at that point in my life, I had ever been alone. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I wanted oh. to do. I had lived in a very small box. I had lived in a religious box. I had lived in a um, same town, same city, three mile radius, grocery store, job, church, friends. I, that was my life. And all of a sudden, I was hurled into this deep ocean of pain, fear. You know, we always fear the unknown. We don't know what's so scary, you know. But I have to say that what I discovered was it was the greatest experience of my life. Because had that not happened, I would have never gone on to really discover who I was. I know that sounds cliche, but really who God made me to be, what I was supposed to do in this world. And I really got set free from a lot of fear because I was really living small and I was settling and I was accepting bad behavior and I was willing to turn a blind eye, call it forgiveness and just continue to endure more and more infidelity and the impact. And finally, that one day I just said, no more, no, no. And even though, you know, a couple of years later and he was sorry and maybe wanted to make it work. And I, at that point, it was like, no, I am free. I will, I will never look back again. But I started from scratch. I started from nothing. I had nothing. Just going, just thinking about that, you know, it's just like I just got hurled out of my <laughs> comfort zone into this scary wide open space. And I, I, I didn't want to be there. I wanted to crawl back into my hole. But after a while, I discovered it was a beautiful space. As I am listening to you, I can imagine how the audience is relating. There are mm-hmm. many, many women, and I, it's no surprise to you to hear me say that, who are yeah. in this position, who have been in this position. There are those who are there now, and they do not know what to do and which way to turn. But the exciting mm-hmm. part, and we're, we're going okay. to take a 30-second break, and then we're going to talk about the upside. We're going to talk about how this story, your story, can help others through learning how to become a brave-hearted woman. Carol Graham would like to show you the path from misery to miraculous triumph in her fast-paced memoir, Battered Hope. She relates her determination to succeed as someone who experienced one horrendous nightmare after another gang raped and left for dead, loss of a child, husband falsely imprisoned, and cancer. Nothing could break her tenacity or faith. No matter what you face, heartache, loss, suffering, or injustice, Carol will illustrate how she became a victor the same way you can. The secret is to never, ever give up hope. Order your copy at Amazon or batteredhope.blogspot.com.
Welcome back to Never Ever Give Up Hope. My guest today is Dawn Damon, and she is definitely a person who never ever gave up hope, who never quit. And her story, as you have been listening to it, is one that many of you will relate to, and possibly those who may be in situations like Dawn was right now. So we are now going to talk about how you became a Braveheart mentor, what you learned, and how we can apply what you have learned to our situations. Thank you, Don. I love your tagline or your the name of your show here, Never Give Up Hope, Never, Ever, Ever Give Up Hope. And that really is the secret for me. You know, the shadow side of not quitting was that sometimes you hang on too long. Sometimes you endure and you allow this abuse to happen. And so that was not the good part. If, I would just say, if anyone's listening, there is such a thing as a necessary end. That's not giving up. That's just finishing well and saying, I've done my best. I'm done. <laughs> right. But not quitting on life. I love the word grit and I love glitter. So it just made sense that the two would go together. I am a resilient, down and dirty, hang on kind of a girl. I am. I don't quit. I dig in and I persevere. But life forced me to either, you know, curl up in a ball and cry uncle or get back up, rise up, brush myself off. And Carol, I did not want to be a victim. That was just something that it, it didn't match my temperament. You know, I'm a fighter. I'm a scrapper, I hang on. And so I was very determined to have a healthy mind, to have a healthy heart. I was very determined I would not be a bitter woman. I would not oh. hold unforgiveness. Because you know, unforgiveness, we've all heard the little cliches, right. but it's so true. Drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. I wasn't going to do that. I said it like this, someone was sick and they threw up all over me. And I was so angry at them for throwing up on me. I was so mad at him for what he did to me that I wanted to say, I will never take a shower. You're going to look mm -hmm. at me. You're going to mm -hmm. see what you did to me. I'm going to be a, a forever memorial in your mind of how you hurt me. Well, who's really going to be hurt by that? Right? Me. I'm walking around stinky. Take a shower, lady. You radiate vomit. Okay, that's a really explicit <laughs> way of saying that's what unforgiveness was like. I'm not going to be her. I don't want to be her. Yes, I'm resilient. And yes, I'm grateful for the things that I went through. I, I'm not glad that they happened, but I'm glad for what they produced in me because I chose to have them produce character, a gritty mindset, that resilience. So what was your question? How did I do it? I thought if I can make it, anyone can. They just need help. They just need a cheerleader. They just need true north, somebody to point them that says, I've been there. I made it. You can too. Failure is an event. It's not a person. You're not going to stay curled up in this ball. You may have felt like you failed. You're not a failure. You've learned, you know, and pain sometimes is the best educator. There is a lot of information in those experiences. So let's reap the information. Let's extract the gold. Let's get the prize, you know, get the, get the gold from the ashes and rise up. And that was a mindset that I chose to adopt. It didn't come ne necessarily naturally. 
although I'm given to it more than others, perhaps by virtue of my temperament. But, you know, I, I often say, you know, in life, I'm not a chess player. I'm a hockey player. You know, I don't, I don't sit there and reflect deeply and re hash old things. I just, you know what? Okay, let's go. This happened. Let's just, let's get back in the mix. So it is a mindset. It's a growth mindset that says this didn't happen to me. It happened for me. And I'm going to let God use it in my life. So that's just what I did. I just began to nurture the mindset and I fed myself with positive things. I got around people who were positive. I got away from the crowd that was the negative naysayers, woe is me. And I got around some eagles who were soaring in life. I got out of the chicken coop and scratching around in the mud. I said, no, that's not how I want to live. And so that's just, to me, how we all have to get to that enough moment in life where we just go enough. This is enough. I'm done. You know, we cannot change our destiny overnight, as Jim Rohn says, but we can change our direction overnight. And that's just what one decision. I want to live an abundant life. I don't want to be a victim anymore. And that's the place I got to. So the first step is to make the decision. Mm-hmm. Make it, uh, Maybe even the, the awareness that you need to make a decision, okay. that there's more to life. Yeah. And then decide. Now mm-hmm. you became an ordained minister with a special emphasis in trauma support. I love this. And biblical counseling. You developed and worked as a director of support and healing, or sorry, as director of support and healing groups in a mega church. Mm-hmm. And you were serving hundreds of women overcoming abuse and trauma. Can you talk a little mm-hmm. bit about that? Yes. Well, and actually, that was happening as well as when my marriage was falling apart. That is the faith that I speak about. That is the place that I got where I recognized that God wanted to use my story. I often say it was my history, but it was his story. Same word spelled different, uh, said different. But I found that place where I began to develop these groups for support for women who had the same story childhood abuse, rape, infidelity, betrayal. And together I was leading these groups and I began to raise up teams, coaches, other women that wanted to do the same work. And it just felt like it was the redemption of my story. Like I went through this and it was horrible, but yet we can turn it around and use it for good. And so that's what the work that I was doing. I lost a lot of that work after my divorce because that ended my career there. But after I got back up and brushed myself off, I actually planted my own church and together with another couple and we did the same work. So I've always since then been involved in the healing work for women, trauma survivors, written books for husbands who are married to a trauma survivor or even the woman herself. So I've just been really committed to using my story. You know, Carol, I don't think that, I know we have to use discretion, but so many times people want to show this perfect image and say, I have it all together. So therefore you should follow me and my advice. But I really think it's, it's even more genuine to say, 
I might have it all together most of the time right now, but I come from a really broken place and I learned how to get out of that hole. I, I fell in it, but I can get out. And if you're in it, I can teach you how to get out. It's not that I avoided falling in a hole. It's that I, I'm familiar with it and, I'm, and I've overcome it. That's kind of the story that I have. And that was the kind of church that we built, a church that said, listen, I'm a divorced woman pastor, <laughs> but God can still use me and he can still use you. And there's still a call and a divine purpose for your life. Don't miss it. So that's what I do. Wow. I love that. And I love the way you, you described it. It just, yes. <laughs> Thank you for that. Now, as you were talking, I remembered you saying something about thought toxins. What are thought mm -hmm. toxins? Mm. Well, let's just flip it around. It's toxic thoughts and it's the remnant of toxic thoughts because toxic thoughts leave feelings. And those are the toxins, the feelings, the negative emotions and the negative feelings and the negative emotions, of course, produce behaviors and then behaviors produce results. So if you want to change your life, you have to start by changing how you're thinking, what you're thinking about and how you're thinking. We've discovered now so much about the brain, haven't we? And we know that it's plastic now, neuroplasty, that the brain can change, it can grow, but that it also really likes the path of least resistance. So 80 to 90% of what you do and how you think is habitual. It's your thought habits, your thought patterns. And if they're toxic, you're going to keep getting the same thing over and over and over again. So when I was going through my healing, one of the things I discovered was that I had some lies that were buried into my psyche that said, I'm less than, I'm flawed, I'm not good enough, I don't measure up, I, I don't qualify, I'm broken. All these little things were producing kind of the, the way I was living. I wouldn't ever accelerate or excel beyond the ceiling of my thought life. And once I broke those things up and said, no, wait a minute, that's not true. Those are lies. I am intelligent. I'm an overcomer. Uh -huh. I, ha I can learn. I can grow. I might not know everything yet, but I can learn what I need to know. Or, you know, I would, I, just because I didn't have that education, that paper that bothered me for the longest time, but I had so much wisdom and experience and that, that means something that adds up to an education. So I had to reframe people who are stuck today have thought toxins. They have the remnants of lies, right? They're fellowshipping or friendshipping with negative thoughts. They're perseverating or rehashing painful experiences or shameful what I did wrong, what I could have done better. Oh my gosh, if I only, or I hate myself, I loathe myself. All of those things will produce for you a life that's mediocre at best. And so that's where we have to start in there, make that decision to turn our life around. And the next thing you're going to start doing is becoming a student of how you're talking and thinking. A student of how you're talking and thinking. That is great. I love that definition. Now, you said that a brave-hearted woman has the mindset of an overcomer. And mm -hmm. that victim or victor is your cho their choice. Overcoming the yes. effects of possibility blindness 
and a hope that never fades. So talk a little bit about that. Expound on that. Well, I believe in having a vision. And as an overcomer, we have to see where we'd rather be or who we'd rather be than where we are right now and and the stuckness. Sometimes when I'm coaching women, and I, that's one of my joys is coaching women, but sometimes when I find that they're stuck, I say, tell me something, where do you see yourself in one year or three years or five years from now? And the truth is, is they don't know. And then it starts to come out. I don't really see anything for me. I don't really know what my future is. I don't really know what I'm good at. Well, I bring them back to a Bible verse that I believe is very true. It says, without a vision, you're going to perish. In other words, without a vision of where you'd rather go, a perfect a preferred future, a, a why you are on this earth, what are you meant to do? If you don't know that or see that or have that, you're going to just fade to black, so to speak, just become irrelevant, invisible. You're going to, what, what's to live for or what's to wake up in the morning for? What's to be disciplined for? It, it doesn't matter what you accomplish or what you do if you have no vision. And so I begin to find that women are not going deep inside of themselves or in prayer going, what is it I'm supposed to do? Why, why have I been created? Why am I on this earth? What is my assignment, if you will, my divine assignment? I believe everybody has one. I know everybody has one. And if you don't find that, you, you lack that fulfillment. And so once we begin to articulate, an overcomer is someone who can recognize that the mountain that they might be facing in their life has no right to stay there. They will overcome it. They'll either go through it, they'll go around it, or they'll speak to it and it will move. But that mountain that's looming in front of them, only there to help them become strong. But you do need to not acquiesce to circumstances, painful experiences, life circumstances, Someone once said, well, under the circumstances. And I said, hey, what are you doing under the circumstances? We're above the, <laughs> we're supposed to be above the circumstances. And so I love watching people, the light goes on and they get a vision. And when they get a vision, the vision imposes on them a discipline. It, it, it's so powerful and so compelling that it begins to change their life. What kind of person is the person that has what you're dreaming about? What kind of woman does the things that you're dreaming about doing? Is it the woman who sleeps until noon and has no drive and her body's out of shape and her and her and she's a victim and she's holding unforgiveness? And they say, no, it's not her. And I go, well, who, what kind of woman is uh -huh. it? And they'll begin to tell me and I'll say, she's within you. She's in you. It's time for you to, to tap that woman. And again, my faith. I love that. Yeah. My faith says we can do all things through him who gives us strength. You have written a few books and two of them that I have mm -hmm. noted here are When a Woman You Love Was Abused, if you want to share a little bit about that. And also your best-selling sure. book, The Freedom Challenge for Men, 60 Days to Untie the Cords That Bind You. So share a little bit about your books and those two as well, please. Yes, I will. So I have six books almost to my credit. I just wrote the last paragraph in my coming up book, 
yesterday. So I'm excited about that. The first two books that I wrote are surrounding the idea of the abuse. In my marriage, I recognized that I didn't know what was going on with me, but my husband, show enough, didn't know what was going on inside of me. And he didn't want to know. He just wanted me to fix it and get better. And, I, you know, I love him and respect him, but I, I just have to say, you know, he just had a real primitive way. It was just like, you're my wife. I can ha have you whenever I want. And that's that. Well, that didn't, that didn't work for me as a survivor. It was like, no, that's not, that's not what's intended. That's not what marriage is. He wouldn't tell you that today. Of course, he's completely different, but that was his, that was how he thought. So I wrote a book for husbands called When the Woman You Love Was Abused, A Husband's Guide to Helping His Wife Overcome. And I wanted it for him so he wouldn't make the same ridiculous mistakes that my husband was making due to ignorance and just not knowing and re-victimize his wife over and over again. The second book I wrote was When the Woman Abused Is You was you, mm. your story, how you can heal. And then I wrote a book called Telling. And that was just why, you know, a lot of the Me Too movement stuff was going on and people were saying, mm. oh, she's ma she's making it up. Why why are they just now telling? Right, right. Well, okay. So they that's why, because of the trauma, because sometimes we even block it out. There's so many things I don't remember about my childhood. It's just gone. It's still there in my subconscious. It's just not in my conscious memory. But then from there, it was like, okay, what's next? After we get through all this heat, this trauma and we talk about it, I want to write about healing. I want to mm. write about freedom. So the next two books were Freedom, Freedom Challenge for Women. And then I did the Freedom Challenge for Men with my husband. And I am remarried. I have an amazing husband. He's just absolutely a hunk of hunk of burning love. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, we're having a great time. We've been together 12 years, married 12 years now. So I'm very grateful, thankful. And then the book I'm writing right now is The Bravehearted Woman. And all the things we've been talking about put into this book, like how are you going to overcome? And I coin it fortitude. I say there's five fortitudes a bravehearted woman has to have. And I'll leave that for our next interview. But it is so good. I can't wait for it to hit the stand. <laughs> And your course. What about your course? Yes. And so I'm, I have courses. The Braveheart University is just opening up. We're so excited. But I also have those courses that will be a part of that university. We've been doing just one at a time. And now we've combined them all together. And we have a year-long course. But you can take it just you know 12 weeks at a time. But bringing you all the way from finding a vision, articulating oh. a vision, finding who you truly are, you know, getting set free from the layers and the masks and really living authentic. And so the course teaches you how to goal set, how to go after goals. Again, the habits that successful women have to have, anybody, and the um, how to have a powerful morning routine, what to involve in your morning routine, how to have health in your mind and your body. So all the things and we just take you systematically through it. And it's just been really powerful. And we're having a great time doing it. Love watching the testimonies of women that are coming from faint hearted to brave hearted. Wow. And it's 
just spectacular. Yeah. Faint hearted to brave hearted. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, we are out of yeah. time. And this, as you said, we probably need to continue after your next book comes out and talk about <laughs> that some more. But in the meantime, all the links, your links and your books will be on the page, the uh, show notes. And I encourage people to connect with you, to contact you, to look at your books and your course. Thank you. Thank Mm -hmm. you. Thank you for being on Never Ever Give Up Hope. Is there anything Mm -hmm. that you would like to say in summary? Thank you so much for having me on. And for anybody who's listening, I just, if anyone does feel hopeless, let it be said today. Hear it with your body, soul, and spirit. There is hope and God has greatness in store for you. Never give up. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.